Let's pray together. Father, thank You for our time so far together in worship. And Lord, as we continue now and open Your Word, we're reminded again that it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that teaches us truth. And we're reminded, Jesus, of Your words that we are sanctified by Your truth. And so, Lord, uh, now uh, we acknowledge our dependence and our need uh, for You to uh, open our minds and our hearts, not just to intellectually understand Your Word, but to uh, receive it into our heart. And then, Lord, to play it out into our lives in obedience and in so doing that we would continue in this process of sanctification, that in the doing of Your Word, that we would be uh, literally uh, transformed from the inside out more and more into the image of Jesus. So we love you. We love your word. And now uh, ask you to lead us and guide us and accomplish your will for each one here. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Philippians 3. Let's start in verse 12. We have been looking at these verses and kind of the theme as we kicked off 2015 was pressing on. Pressing on in 2015. Philippians 3.12, the Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on, right? I'm actively engaged. I'm exerting energy, right? I'm exercising myself unto godliness, as it says in Timothy. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What is that? Ultimately, Christ-likeness, holiness. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy, right? Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We've been looking at these verses in depth as we launch into a new calendar year. And, and we see that the Apostle Paul starts it out and says, hey, I'm not perfect. Let's just get that up front. I'm not perfect. Right. But in my imperfection, I'm continuing to choose to press on. And that's liberating and that's freeing, right? And, and we've talked about the need to develop the habit of, of not allowing our past to become an anchor. Our past successes, which can create pride and self-righteousness and its own prison, because then you have to keep outdoing yourself, right? So you've got you to have a short-term memory about your successes and you have to have a short-term memory about your failures. And we've shown a couple of videos, right? Famous failures and... And all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's very important that we understand that this forgetting is a continual pattern. Because my guess is most of us, the, the pattern in your life is to rehearse the past. Rehearse, 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 rehearse. Oh, I can't believe I did it again. I did that since I was 10 years old. There you go again. And you go right down the list. Right? So rather than having this, this pattern, this habit of forgetting, of allowing the past to learn from it, maybe make restitution, deal with it, we dwell there. We live there. And we've been learning over the last few weeks that the Apostle Paul says, no, you have to develop the pattern to forget it. To forget it. doesn't mean you, you, you deny it. doesn't mean you obliterate your memory. It just means it doesn't become an anchor. doesn't mean, you know, uh, we talked about the Super Bowl a little bit. Sometimes you'll hear after, after a team, after a game, they'll interview the coach and say, yeah, what I do is I, I give the players 24 hours. Win or lose. You can think about the game for 24 hours, be sad, be happy, but come Monday, this game's over. Right? 
We talked about uh, golf last night, mini golf. Great exercise in forgetting the past. Great exercise in, in, in having to forget the past and, 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 and say, wow, okay, and, and focus on what's in the future. And that's what he's talking about is this habit to stay in the present and stay focused moving forward. Okay? Last week, if you look in your notes there, we spent a lot of time talking about the Apostle Paul, right? And we saw in Acts that Paul used to be called who? Saul, right? And his life was committed to persecuting the church and persecuting our brothers and sisters. Don't forget that that was your brothers and sisters. He, he was dedicated to destroying what we were doing right here. He would come in these doors right here and take all of us to prison and ask us to recant. That's what Saul was doing, right? And, and we saw last week that he has the, the miraculous conversion experience on the Damascus Road, right? And, and, and we said, think about the, the apostle Paul. At some point in his life, he had to make a decision about what to do with his past as Saul. In fact, if, if you read through Acts, the first time he appears in Jerusalem, what do the disciples do? Ah! They freak out. They want nothing to do with this guy because his reputation preceded him. Hey, isn't, this, isn't that the guy that used to throw the Christians in? And, and they, they were kind of sketchy. They didn't really believe that this was a new guy and this was legit. And for some of us in our life, when you become born again and you walk with the Lord, you, you know, show up around some old friends. Ernie, what's gotten into you? Right? And the Lord, right? Yeah. And, and we all, you know, we talked, the, the focus of, of last week was if we're going to move forward and press on, we have to make a decision, a choice of how you were before you knew the Lord. Right? And then turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Here's, here's a wonderful example, a truth of what the Apostle Paul, where he came to by faith, right? By faith. 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He owns it. He acknowledges it. But by the grace of God, what? I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect, right? By the grace of God, I am what I am, right? The whole Papa, I am what I am, you know, that whole thing. Understand this. This is, this is a huge truth, and we, we spent a lot of time on it last Sunday, because this truth you have to be able to say. If you're going to not allow your past, all the things you were doing before you came to Jesus, like, like Paul, you're going to have to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I own my stuff. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, understand this. When he says, I am what I am, he's talking about being an apostle and being a new creation. Some people say, well, I am what I am, sort of as an excuse. Well, you know, I am what I am. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is, by the grace of God, I used to persecute the church. I used to throw Christians in prison. But by the grace of God, I am an apostle. I am now his mouthpiece. 
I am now being used mightily in His kingdom. I'm a new creation. That's when you say, when you, when you go around and you meet someone and you say, Hey, man, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What you should be saying to them is, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a saint. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's what you say, and that's what you mean when you say, I am what I am. Okay? So this week, we're going to take the next step. Because we saw, when you come to Christ, when you acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we saw that, what does God do with your sin? He remembers it no more. Right? We saw that wonderful picture in Leviticus, right? The two goats, one is sacrificed, which is a picture of Jesus' sacrifice. One goat, the high priest puts all the sins of the people and they send it away. It's called the scapegoat. And that was symbolic of our sins being placed on that and being remembered no more. So here's the great news. In heaven, there is no filing cabinet with your name on it. Right? Oh, Tina! Oh, yeah, woo! Right, roll the. There is no file cabinet. There is no scroll, right? Mike Glennon. Right? There's nothing like that because the Bible says he remembers our sin no more. Fresh start. Amen? Now, that's from God's eyes. That's, that's his biblical view of us. The challenge is for us to get that. The challenge is for us to wake up in the morning and go, Woohoo! Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God remembers my sin no more. Positionally, I'm good to go. I'm complete, loved, accepted, pleasing, right? We went over that last year, last year, right? Biblically, yes, right? We are complete, we are loved, we are accepted, we are pleasing. And I taught you to clap. That's your position in Christ. As God sees you positionally, you are complete, loved, accepted, and pleasing. As a human, isn't that hard to wrap your mind around? That there is actually somebody, and this happens to be God, who positionally is 100% pleased with you. <laughs> yeah, like, huh? Uh-huh. Right? As you sit here, positionally, in Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, by grace, the grace of God, He's smiling. Teresa. He's smiling. He's smiling, Brenda. See, isn't it interesting? When you, when you believe that God's smiling at you, you smile back. <laughs> How, what, 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 what's your picture of God when He thinks about you? What are you thinking? Right? Right? Go ahead, Scott. Do it again. Here comes the bolt. Just do it. Right? How many of us? And God is angry. God is indifferent. God's just waiting, Ernie. You do that one more time. One more time, Ernie. Kapow, right? But positionally, by the grace of God, we are what we are. Complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. Amen? All right. Technically, we could end right there and call it good. Because <laughs> I know you're like, some of you need to just chew on that. You really do. You really do. And, and what I say, why, why you need to stay there is because I know, okay, yes. Born again, new heart, under covenant with God. 
remembers my sin no more, new creation. But man, I still sin. What do I do with that? What do I do with that? Right? Because a lot of times, if we're not careful, we only apply God's grace to salvation. It's unmerited, undeserved favor, but we don't understand that God's grace is new every day for His children. We need to, we need to receive that grace. And so we're going to transition this morning into pressing on in 2015 as a believer now, struggling with, what do I do when I sin? What do I do when I, when I sin? How do I forget that? How does, how does that work? Right? How does that work? Before we do that, we're going to watch a video that I think will help really uh, and capture the heart of what we want to talk about today. I feel like I'm going around in circles. The same mistakes. The same stupid choices. The same selfish thinking. The same addictions. On the outside, things seem alright. I work hard to keep up appearances. But inside, I feel dark and dirty. So many times I've told myself, this won't happen again. But who's to say this time will be any different? I try to start again. I make resolutions. I draw up plans. I strategize. But before I know it, it's happening again. I used to think I would never change until I admitted that I couldn't. If I was going to change, then he would have to change me. There was something I was missing, something I thought I'd known the whole time. Grace. His grace. His free acceptance of me despite the way I've treated him and despite the way I've treated others. He loves me. But as long as I saw his way as being second best, I was always going to be stuck there. All the time I said I was living for him, but deep down I doubted his goodness. Deep down I worshipped other things. Deep down I thought sin was the better way. But grace is the way he saves us, and grace is the way he changes us. On that cross, Jesus took my sin, all my sin, and he triumphed over it and my sin has already been paid for I no longer need to live in defeat I am free to live the life he created for me all my striving my seeking approval my loathing was all in vain but once I took my eyes off myself and onto his grace things began to change I still have so far to go, to love like He loves, but by His Spirit, He is changing me. Now my past is erased, my sin is resolved, and all my resolutions fade in the light of His one resolution.
Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians 3.10. The context of Paul wanting to press on, he says it there in verse 10 of uh, Philippians 3. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sharing uh, in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. That word, I want to know Christ, is gnosko. All right? What it means, experiential, intimate knowledge, not just head knowledge. He's talking about knowing Jesus experientially in his everyday life. Deeply, deeply knowing Jesus as he lives out his life. He's not talking about, I want to know more Bible facts. I, want to more, more, just, I just want to know more about him. He says, I want to know him personally, experientially, intimately. And here's, here's where we're going. And, and this morning, uh, I'm going to be pretty honest with you about where we're going because it's going to be kind of challenging in this setting. And, and I'm going to ask you just, just to, to hang in there. You know, one of the things that, that came to my mind uh, as we prepared to transition into pressing on as a believer, even though I sin, and, and when I sin, how does that all work? I, I thought of you, Bill, on, on Wednesday nights. One of, the, one of your common phrases is, it doesn't matter what I think. What really matters is what the Bible says. And I preface that because as we press on, as we seek to know Jesus personally, experientially, intimately, okay, it's going to require us to allow Him to search our hearts. If we, in a sense, want to know Him, we have to open ourselves to being known being known. Now, intellectually, all things, there's nothing hidden from him. We kind of get that here. But some of us still are like this. And, and specifically, if we're going to know Christ, if we're going to press on, we're going to have to deal with this, this, this issue, this, this biblical truth of sin. Sin. Even as a believer. Okay? Now, I've been in ministry 20 plus years in all kinds of different churches, all different styles from seeker sensitive to Calvary's to all kinds. Probably universally, I can probably say sin, not on the hot topic list, not on the feel good list, you know, especially where the church is today. You know, when you say, oh, we're going to be doing a series on confession, repentance and sin. Woo, that'll draw them. Invite your friends, right? But but we are called to preach the whole counsel of God. And we can't just pick and choose what we want, all the good stuff, and then cross out all the other stuff. But this is fabulous. If you understand biblical confession, if you understand the biblical view of sin and how God transforms us through the process of biblical confession, you know what happens to your relationship with Him? Deep. It matures. You mature. You don't necessarily get more head knowledge. You mature. Some of the most mature believers are those who have the greatest sensitivity to sin in their life. Mature believers are not defined by those who do the most at the church. Those are just busy people. 
They may or may not be mature, right? And hopefully that service comes out of maturity and out of obedience. But please do not define maturity by how much you're doing. Maturity is what Paul says, I want to know Him. I want to know Him intimately, experientially. I want to know His grace. And you know how you're going to know His grace? When you sin. And, you, and, you, and you're completely open, and you're completely confessing, and you're just like, oh God, I did it again. And, and, and you're in that, that moment with Him, and He goes, I forgive you. And you're like, oh, your grace. That's when you will experience and get to know Him experientially. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to take baby steps. Because, uh, you know, Tyler and Bill, they're kind of my pace setters. And they say, we're not in a rush, we're not in a rush. And then I try to do way too much every Sunday. This issue right here, we're going to have to build upon. Because even in the church, okay, when you bring up issues of sin, I've been in church all my life. Why is he talking about sin? There's, there's this, this sin nature in us that when you bring up sin, it just rears. There's a reaction. What's he saying? What's he saying? And then the labels can start getting thrown. I knew he was a legalist. All those OVCFers Sunday morning, they're just Bible thumpers. You talk about sin. All you talk about is sin. I've heard it. People have left here because they didn't understand our heart and, and didn't really understand God's heart. There was initial reaction, and it was uncomfortable. And uh, as much as I would encourage them to hang through the discomfort, because that's not always a bad thing, because part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is conviction, right? Uh, I would have wished they would have hung in, because I think they would have seen. They would have seen what God could do in them, and to, really, in them. Not that we were right, but that God's Word was truth, right? So I'm going to ask you uh, to understand that we're going to look at, at this whole idea of confession and repentance and sin from what the Bible says. Because it really doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> All that matters is what the Bible says. Right? And so today, in your notes, we're going we're gonna to settle some issues about where we stand as a church. Just in case anyone wants to doubt our view of salvation around here. Okay? So turn to Ephesians 2. It's the book right before Philippians. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If you've seen your notes there, grace, we spent weeks and weeks last year on grace. If you want to know where we stand on grace, go listen to that series. It's like two or three months on biblical grace. You'll understand my heart. You'll understand biblical truth. In your notes there, it says grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor shown to people who are totally undeserving of it. So if you're a Christian here this morning, and if you have placed your faith in Jesus, understand you had nothing to do with that. That's just a gift. Nobody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? How many sins does it take to get you to hell? God's scale is perfection. He doesn't grade on a curve. 
Who here liked the curve in school? Because you would look at everyone else, not very smart, not very smart. I got this. I don't have to study, right? You would try to compare yourself to the other, you know, your friends. Because if the professor says it's a curve, you're like, sweet. Right? God's scale, 100%. Pass or fail. The Bible says if you've committed one sin, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. Mm. Right? So now we appreciate grace. We were helpless and hopeless. And if you understand that and you are willing to understand that biblical truth, your love for God will go right through the door. Right through the ceiling. You were helpless and hopeless. That's, that's, that, that's not a very popular message in good old U.S. of A. where everyone's materially comfortable and, and it's all about the American dream. And along comes, you're helpless, hopeless, bad off as you can be. That should spur us on to God's grace. That should just go, woohoo! You mean I, I, you mean I had the big F? And then through faith in Jesus, that's it? Just receiving his, his, his gift of salvation? I'm in? Complete, loved, accepted, please. Yes! All by God's what? Grace. So, without any shadow of doubt, we believe here, based on the scripture authority, we are saved by grace alone. Okay? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Alright? Go one more book to your left. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2, verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Okay? We believe that. We believe that. It's very important, too. The context of Galatians, they were telling the early believers, hey, faith in Jesus isn't enough. It's faith plus. We don't believe that here. You are saved by faith alone in Jesus alone. Okay? By grace alone. So, so, so as we pursue this and as we walk forward speaking to believers... Speaking to believers, very important. We're not talking about any non-believer becoming a, becoming a, a Christian by works. We're speaking to believers in pursuing sanctification. We have all settled the issue. Hopefully, biblically, we're saved by what? Grace. Okay? So, because people throw around this word legalism, and I don't, they're not even very clear. See, legalism, by definition, is trying to merit heaven. That's a legalist. In the strictest definition of the word, a legalist is someone who is trying to merit or earn some sort of favor by their works to get into heaven, earn God's favor. That's legalism in its strictest sense. That is not even near what we're talking about. We have to be very clear about that. So when people say, oh, they're legalists over there, just ask them, what do you mean by that? Well, I know they say by grace, but they really preach obedience. So are you talking about obedience or legalism? You see what I'm saying? 
You see, people just throw things out and they're not even sure what they're saying. No, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? That, that just settles it. Now, however, look at the next point on your bulletin. Grace is not a license to sin. Big word, antinomianism. People have said, and turn to Romans, we'll look at Romans. They'll say, hey, pastor, you mean I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ? Yes. You mean I'm in Christ and in Christ I'm complete, loved, accepted, pleasing? Yes. Hey, pastor, that means I could do whatever I want then. Because I got my ticket to heaven. No. (laughs) Resounding no. So, understand this. With all of our heart, we are convinced. We are, we are, we are, we have driven the stake in the ground at this church. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are also just as convinced that grace is not a license to sin. Okay? Now, how do you know that? Look at Romans 6. Romans 6, 1 and 2. They're talking about grace, right? And so they, they ask the Apostle Paul, hey, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? What does he say? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He's talking about a lifestyle, a pattern of sin. He's not talking, in, you know, once in a while I'm doing my best and I really want to love God and I want to pursue Him, but I still sin once in a while. He's talking about a lifestyle of sin. He said, hey, how can you still pursue that lifestyle of sin, man? You're dead to it. You're dead to it, right? In John 8, we won't turn there. Remember that Jesus has the encounter with the woman caught in adultery, right? John 8, 11, what does he tell her at the very end? Go and sin no more. He tells the woman in the, caught in adultery, hey, go and sin no more. He's not talking, hey, go live a, sin, go live a sinless, perfect, perfect life. He's saying, hey, go and change your lifestyle. No longer pursue a life of sin, self-centeredness that you were pursuing. Okay? Let's look at, look at another one. Let's look at 1 John 2. First John 2. First John's all the way back a couple before Revelation. You looking for that? First John two, verse three. We know that we have come to know him if we what? Obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Okay? Pretty clear. Obedience. The greatest command, first command, Matthew 22, God says, hey, Jesus says, love the Lord your God, right, with your whole being. It's love, right? Look, what, what does Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, you'll what? Keep my commands. You'll obey me. You know what? That, that's just simply a statement. Hey, all of you who say you love me, Obedience is just going to be a fruit of your life. It's not necessarily a command. He's making a statement. If you love me, the natural outworking of that is obedience. You'll obey me. 
If you love me, you'll obey me, right? So let's look at 1 John 5.3 since we're there. 1 John 5.3. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. Okay? So, again, I know it sounds basic, and I'm, gonna, I'm really asking for your, your patience with this, but because of where we're going, you have to settle these issues. You're saved by grace, but grace is not a license to sin. Amen? You've got you to drive those two stakes in the ground. Okay? If you can do that, then, then we get about, when we talk about confession and sin, it, it, it's going to be okay. You won't feel like, oh, there they go again. You'll be like, okay, I get it. Okay? I get it. Right? And then let's turn to Galatians. Galatians 5. Grace is not a license to sin. In fact, In Galatians 5, let's just read verse 16. Galatians 5:16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of what? The sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the rest of that passage, basically, again, it just confirms as a new believer, you're not to walk according to the flesh. You're to walk according to the Spirit as a new believer, as a follower of Jesus. Grace is not a license to sin. In fact, what it is, it's freedom to pursue Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so funny. People, they just try to, they try to flip Christianity. Oh, you Christians, you can't have any fun, and you live in a prison. And you're, you're all like this, and you have no fun. And I don't, you know? And no, we're like, no, dude, you got it backwards. I'm free. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I got the Holy Spirit indwelling me. We are the freest people on this planet, yo. <laughs> I mean, you got to understand that. Because of God's grace and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, you have been set free from the power and slavery of sin to walk in newness of life. That's the biblical truth of who we are in Christ. Okay? And, and why are we starting here? Because we still sin. And, and we've got to kind of pursue this. And we're going to kind of, I don't like this word, we're going to sneak up on it a little bit. Because... See, I, spent, I was supposed to spend 15 minutes with the worship team talking about what we were going to talk about, and it took me an hour with like six of them right here on Thursday. Hour and a half right there. Six people walking through just this initial to get, to get the heart of it. In this context, are you kidding me? I know it's tough. That's why I give you notes. You can take them. But you have, to, you have to, as a believer, to own your faith, you have to drive some stakes in the ground. And your convictions need to be biblical. And the two of them today, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Grace is not a license to sin. Okay? If you understand those two today, then I would have felt really good. I would have, okay, Lord, thank you. That's where we wanted to go. We're going to pursue next week, and you know, of course, Bill, you're right. I didn't get there. Right? <laughs> Ephesians 4.30. We'll, we'll, we'll close with Ephesians 4.30. Look at this. How many of you, when you sin, 
typically think that God's mad at you. Let's be honest. Disappointed, angry, right? Disappointed. I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and you know, you go confession every once in a while. So I have a very, I didn't realize how, how, how much that affected my view of confession, this whole idea. I used to think, man, I better go to confession because God's really mad because it's stocking up. And, and I got to go, and I got to go talk to the guy behind the screen, you know, don't disrespect, and then I got to go do the penance, and then, you know, the bucket gets empty. And then I just start filling it up again, right? I used to think, man, God's getting really mad at me. It's been a while since I've been at confession. God's probably really ticked right now. I got to go, you know. I didn't, I never realized, and this is where we're going to, we'll, we'll stop here and then we're going we're gonna, to um, look at this. Look at Ephesians 4.30. Now let's start in 20, uh, 29 to give it context. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know the one thought growing up, even as a young believer, I didn't really ever catch on to or, or live in this truth. When I sin, I grieve God. I grieve God. And it's there to feel deep emotional pain, distress, to afflict with sorrow. That word grieve, it, I, I was reading it, one commentator did a word search on, on the original Greek. He says that word grieve, okay, it's in your notes, is a pain or grief that can only be experienced between two people who deeply love each other. And in fact, the word grieve, the word picture here is, it's the pain that's caused by infidelity or unfaithfulness. Now take that, that emotion and that picture and put that on to God when you sin. See, a lot of us grew up, I better not sin out of fear of the wrath of God. How many of us now, even as believers, say, I don't want to sin because I love Him so much and I don't want to grieve Him? You see the difference? Many of us grew up with fear. Fear of punishment. Fear of getting caught. Which only works as long as you fear getting caught. But as soon as you're not afraid of getting caught because you're smarter than your parents, you're going to go do what you're going to do. But if you love, that is much more powerful motivation. Love. Love. I think all of us as parents, right? You would want your kids to, 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 to want to be a part of the family system, to honor you and do what they need to do around the house because they love you. Not because they're afraid of losing their cell phone. But how many of us are like that with God? I better do it or God's going to give me a cold or whatever you want, you know, some kind of weird thing you put on God because you were a bad girl or a bad boy. Oh, I got a, I got a pimple. I got a pimple, you know, because God's mad at me. I got a pimple. I mean, we live like that, if we're honest. How much more powerful? Lord, I want to know you. I just want to love you so that my life is centered around not grieving you. Wouldn't that be awesome? When you think about when you're tempted to do something, not the fear of punishment, like, no, that, that's going to grieve God. When I was growing up, I was a rebel and a half. My kids asked, how were you growing up? I said, oh, you don't want to know. 
Ask your aunt and uncle, my brothers and sisters. I, I was a kind of a terror. And I kind of worked the system, and, you know, my parents were latchkeys, so I really worked the system. I knew exactly when they got home. And uh, I, always, I was one of those, you know, be home at 530, 531, racing, right? Always pushing, always pushing, always pushing. And then I'd get caught and busted, and they would lower the boom, be angry, yell, scream, and then apply the appropriate punishment. But I got used to that. How many of us get used to that? You got used to it, right? Oh, yeah, she's going to get mad. She's going to yell. She'll probably take away, you know, restriction for a week. Oh, well, it was worth it, right? And I kind of grew up that way until one time I did something. I did something. And I had to confess to, to my mom. My dad wasn't, wasn't home at that point. But it was a biggie because it was going to affect the whole family. I was 15, and I thought I was going to be a, a dad. And I had to come clean because you can't hide that. And I, and I sat my mom down, and I said, Mom, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. And I'll never forget this. She didn't yell. She didn't rant and rave. She didn't say, how could you? started to cry. Just started to cry. And then she said this. Okay. Well, we'll have to figure it out. No, yell at me and take my phone away. <laughs> and, and, and I understood the power of love. And not wanting to grieve her ever again to that degree. And that's what God wants for us as we move forward. As His children. As His children. Yes, you are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. Positionally, you are in Christ. Oh, He loves you. And all He wants as you go throughout the day is not to be so scared of Him. But just to choose to honor and love Him. In a heart that says, I don't want to grieve you, Father. I don't want to grieve you today. Would you empower me just to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit? Amen. We're going to um, have the band come up. We're going to sing a song. And it's kind of a confession song. And, and I, I, I wanted to close with this. We we're going to do it earlier. And I told the band, hey, let's just switch this. Because I think that uh, if we sing this with the right heart, guys, it can really be powerful for you. Powerful for me, powerful for you. As we just sing this, just kind of, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And, Lord, I just want to know you. And I want, I want you to know me. I, I, I'm just going to sing this song, kind of maybe in as, a, as a confession song, about where I am with you. And, and in fact, uh, Robert, if it's okay with you, we're just going to do communion as we sing this song. Okay? Um, so, ushers, we're going we're gonna to pass out communion just in the interest of time so you guys can uh, get ready for that as we sing this song okay Lord thank you for your word (sighs) Father thank you that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone and yet your word teaches that grace is not a license to sin and we don't want to in fact Father what we want as we hold these cups and as we sing this song, as we want to live a life that just honors you out of love. We don't want to grieve you. And if there's something in our heart and something we've been doing in our life 
that we know through the, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit has been what you would call sin, Lord, we confess sin and we ask your forgiveness, even now. And so we'll sing this song out of love. We'll hold the cups in remembrance of you, Jesus. We just want to press on. Press on in the power of the Holy Spirit, the biblical truth of who we are in Christ. Amen.